Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast, where our goal is to inspire and encourage you with actionable strategies to take you from overwhelmed to confident in your homeschool adventure. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode 232. This episode is brought to you by the Homeschool Style Company. Their super soft tees are perfect to wear during all your homeschool adventures. Whether you're teaching at home or co-op or you're out on a homeschool field trip or even during those homeschool parent-teacher conferences, we all know we're not talking to ourselves, right? Well, you can send hubby a link for the perfect Mother's Day gift, Christmas gift, birthday gift. Get yourself a really cute homeschooling mom t-shirt. Actually get something for everyone in the family. And then when you're out on your homeschool adventures, you can find each other really quickly because they're the ones with the cute shirts on. So go on over, use my link at 41more.com forward slash style to get a really cute t-shirt from the homeschool style company. Welcome to episode 232. I'm so glad you're joining us today. And you can find the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 232. Today we're chatting with Dennis DeNoya, and you might know him better as Mr. D Math. He's the founder of Mr. D Math. He holds an MA in education from the University of South Florida. He's been a Florida State certified secondary mathematics teacher since 1988. He has some awesome energy, passion, and a great philosophy of education behind everything he does over there at Mr. D Math. It was really fun to talk to him. And we kind of went through some of the key concepts in his new book called Teach, Creating Independently Responsible Learners. I read this book last week in preparation for talking with him. It was a really quick read. I was able to get it done and just gain so much really great inspiration and encouragement that I think you guys are going to love. Because once again, I feel like this is a recurring theme on the podcast because it is, we have to get out of this school mindset where the kids are passive. We're putting all the information in their heads. They regurgitate it on a test. Like that's an old model. It doesn't work well to create lifelong learners. And in Dennis's book and in this conversation, I think you're going to really get uh, a vision for what homeschooling can look like when we shift our mindset into a homeschool model, which is really different than that traditional school model we're all used to. So I think you're going to love this episode. We will link to Dennis's book. He has a podcast and you know everything else you're going to want to know. Check out Mr. D Math and all the awesome high school math courses, plus other courses that he has over there on his site. So if you want all his links, of course, they'll be in the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 232. So for now, enjoy this conversation I had with Dennis DeNoya of Mr. D Math. Dennis, it's so great to have you today on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you, Abby. Glad to be here. That's awesome. So I was just telling you, I did read through your book last week. It's called Teach, Creating Independently Responsible Learners. And I loved how you started out on chapter one with a story about when you were a new teacher, you were teaching math. I think you were a new teacher, right? Teaching math to these failing students that really needed to be (laughs) able to understand what they were doing. And it sets the stage for our topic today. So can you kind of go back in time, give us a bit of your background and tell us about that aha moment that you had back then and when you recounted it in chapter one, where you were investing like every weekend (laughs) into grading papers and the kids could care less. What does this have to do with this topic? Can you take us back and tell us about yourself? 
Absolutely. So first of all, there was 1988, right? So let's go back. We'll go back a few years. So, you know, 30 plus years ago, here we are. And I was working, it was a dropout prevention program. It was high school kids. This was kind of their last, you know, their last stand. Uh, They, they had been pushed around and sent out of class and this was it. And it was on a vocational campus in Florida in uh, Pinellas County. And I was a brand new teacher. So I was a math teacher, you know, and I was like every other brand new teacher out there. I was going to change the world. That was my, you know, that's kind of the way it looked. Right. Um, Now, here I am 30 plus years later and I'm still in that space. I'm going to change the world, but I have a whole different view of it. And I can go back back to my 35 years ago to back to those kids, because they're the ones that actually introduced me to this idea that we use in all of our homeschool programs now that we do for students. And here it was, it was, uh, you know, for me, it was like, I would give them their assignments and these kids were tough, right? Uh, they didn't want to be there. And they, you know, the ones that got the homework done, they'd, they'd turn it in. I'd take it, I'd take it home on the weekend. And fortunately for me, it just happened to be the beginning of the year in the August timeframe when the National Football League, the NFL was going on so I could watch football and great papers all day long. And I had this experience over and over again, the same experience every time. I'd go home, I'd spend all day grading the papers, you know, and I'd write the write the great comments on there and put smiley faces, sad faces, whatever, right? Write it out, like anything to get them engaged and interested in what was going on with their work. I'd come back on Monday, I'd hand them back their papers, and it was the same thing every time. They'd look down at their paper, they'd look up at me, they'd look back at their paper, see the grade, Top page only, they put it under their desk, and that was the end of it. And I thought, oh, my gosh. Like, didn't you read all the comments I made? No, no, no. You know, and so this went on for the whole first semester of school, which means football season's over January. And I'm like, well, now what am I going to do on Sunday? And I kind of got fed up with it, to be honest. And I was like, this is crazy. They're not doing, you know, it's not making any difference for me to spend my getting all these papers. And so I came in one day and I said, okay, guys, look, here's the deal. Here's your math book. The odd answers are in the back of the book. I'm assigning you the odd problems. Check your own work. When you're done, let me know how you did. And what was funny was the students would say, they'd say, well, wait a minute, then we can just uh, say we made 100 and everything. I said, yeah, if that's what you want to do, go ahead, right? Because at the end of the week, we're going to take a quiz or a test and I'll see how you did for real. So I'll know. Here's what happened. It was crazy. So they start checking their own papers. And the next thing I know, they're like, hey, I got this one wrong. Why is this wrong? <laughs> I was like, what? You're asking questions now? And so that was the beginning of having kids grade their own work. Because here I have these dropout prevention kids, the ones that no one else wanted, the ones that didn't want to be there, the ones that were on the verge of dropping out. And now they're asking questions because they were checking their own work. Didn't matter if I checked it, but when they checked it themselves, now it's personal. Now they want to know what was wrong with it. And not only that, in math books, And if you take a traditional textbook, right, you only have the answer. You don't have the solution of how to do it. You don't have it all worked out for you. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. So they're asking questions. They got interested. Next thing I know, their grades are going up and they're doing better and they're engaged and they're interested. So our entire program is actually based on having young people do what? Get engaged in grading their own work. Um, And then the quizzes and tests, we're still there to support them and help them. But if they have a question after they've checked it, they can let us know. And then we work with them on that. And the biggest thing ever is we hear kids tell us all the time. It's like they have those aha moments because they're checking their own work. They see what's happening and they say, oh my gosh, oh, I see what I did. And there's that kind of like that get it in the moment kind of thing. And uh, it just, uh, it's been great. And so we implement that in all of our programs. 
So what does it mean to be a self-directed or independent learner? So could you give us some of those characteristics you see? Like you did mention that students like start to ask questions. Like what, give us a little more insight into that. Yeah. So, you know, the whole, the whole idea when I put the book together was how do we get students to take responsibility for their work? And, And I share this with moms often. It's like, Whose work is it? It's not your work, mom. It's their work. Like they should be responsible for it. So we want them to check their work. And, you know, them check their work leads parents to this question, which kind of takes us to the next step of being an independently responsible learner. So the moms are like, well, if they're checking their own work, how do I know if they're not just copying down the answers? And I'm, I'm in that moment, it's like, you don't know. So what could you do? So what do we do? We have them present their work and we have them become the teacher and we want them to explain their work. And, you know, if you think about and as a homeschool mom yourself. Right. And you think about now and you were a teacher. So think even like you're teaching your kids something. And when you're teaching it, all of a sudden it makes more sense to you than when you learned it when you were a student. And I share that with parents all the time. And they all they all everybody agrees on it. Right. I have never had anyone not tell me. That that's not that's not true for them, right? It's like, yeah, it's like I finally understand this stuff now that I'm the one teaching it. I'm okay, great. Let's have young people teach you about what they're learning because whose work is it? It's theirs. So for them to be able to come back and present their work, then we and I used to do this with my kids. We'd schedule meetings, you know, and we'd have a meeting and they'd come in and they'd present their work. And it was usually on Friday and they'd make PowerPoints. <laughs> it was great. They were eight and ten when we first started having them do this. And they did awesome with it. And so here they are and they're doing it. They're showing us their work and they're telling us. So we know if they're presenting it, it's going to be their best work. If they're presenting it, they have to communicate in a way that they understand it. And if they're presenting it, when they're presenting it, they're now the teacher. And by being the teacher, what happens? Well, now they're starting to understand it at a whole different level. And it starts to deal with that long-term memory instead of the short-term memory. So, and I don't know, uh, you know, for for listeners, um, if you ever work with at the end of the year, um, I, you know, we did uh, did our homeschooling in Florida. And in Florida, you had to do some kind of an evaluation at the end of the year. So the evaluation was either take a standardized test, which a lot of parents are like, we'd rather not do that, or have a portfolio review. And so we started doing the same thing with the portfolio reviews, because if you think about the portfolio review, a young person comes in, they've got all their papers in the box, they take the box, they slide it across the desk to the person that's reviewing the portfolio, and then they want the person to go through and look at their work and pick out their best work and ask them questions. Or maybe the young person even says, well, here's my best work, go ahead and take a look at it and tell me what you think. And we thought again, it's like, why not have young people present their own portfolios? And so we would have them do that. It's like, okay, you have to present your work, pick your best, uh, your best work, best two pieces out of each of your subject area, go through it with us. And then when you're done, make a request to be promoted to the next grade level. So, you know, for young people, it, what was amazing was they'd come back and tell you, I didn't know I learned all this this year. I don't, this is amazing, right? So it was, just, it, it was a fun thing to see, but for them to request to be promoted to the next grade level it put ownership on them and it was doing what it was having them be dependent and be responsible. And that's what I think leads to that self-directed learning where they start to have that love for learning. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing is, you know, when we ask young people to check their own work, to present their work, 
we didn't get trained that way. I know I didn't get trained that way. And how often I send something in that's incomplete and somebody sends it back to me and wants me to do, you know, or my staff does that with me. Right. And so I think that this is another opportunity and how to train people. And in this case, we're dealing with young people, but how to train them to when they're submitting their work, that they're submitting their best work and they know it's complete because they know how to check it themselves and then to be in that presentation mode that they're going to present it. So those are some of the steps that we have inside of that creating the independently responsible learner. And what you're talking about, this is a life skill. We want our kids to be in the real world. We want them to be responsible. Talk about how this translates into the real world after high school even. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one thing, you know, when people say the real world, I it just makes me chuckle, right? Yeah. Because I always, I get a pick up, you know, and the kids say, well, and, and they, you know, as a math guy, right? The number one question you get asked in math always is, when am I ever going to use this in my real life? And I'm like, well, in your real life. So what life are you in right now? Is it your pretend life? And then there's this real life that's happening later. So I always get a kick out of that. So we always tell them, it's like, okay, the math outside of a classroom. But for us, it's like high school, you know, high schoolers outside of a classroom. And what does that look like? And it comes back to the same thing. When you're working with an, with a, with an employer, it's one of the things that I look for in a staff member is can they take a take a project and can they work on it on their own? without having me to come in and check on their work and see how they're doing and have them say, hey, is this right? Is this what you needed? Instead, it's they're what? They're able to do what? To take the information they have, to do the research, to be able to, and that's the other thing about checking their own work, is it teaches them how to research things. They have to look things up. They have to go in and see, is this accurate? Is it not accurate? And then do what? And then fix it when it's not. Like go in and correct mistakes as they see them so that when they're bringing their work back, it's correct, it's complete. And there are times, of course, that we're going to send things back and say, hey, you know, let's take this a little bit further. But they're also working on their presentation skills, uh, presentation skills. And for me, that's huge because I think that's one of the things that's lacking for people is that ability to communicate either whether it's verbal or written or they're doing something where it's an auditory or visual presentation. But there's just so many skills that happen from them presenting their own work and being responsible for checking their own work. It's, it's huge. I think it's something that we've missed out on in education. Um, and we've just taken it for granted that you take the paper, you hand it to the grader, the grader grades it, they give it back. And we already know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to go back to my guys back from the 80s. They're going to look at it, look at you, look back at it and put it away and never look at it again. So this is just a great way to give them some skills that they'll take with them into their life beyond school. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I let's go back to the role of student and parent, because this, I think, is huge. I talk about this, too, about like if you're working harder than your kids, like that's kind of reverse, right? Like they should be working right. hard. You're, you know, but a lot of parents, especially if they had their kids in public school and now they're homeschooling, they have this school model in their head where it's like the teacher teaches, the kids just suck it all in, you know, and it's just a passive model that we're trying to break out of here. So talk about how the student is the teacher, but then the parent's role is really different too. We're now the coach. Can you get, can you walk us through that? That's really hard. It's a mindset shift. It is. It really is a mindset shift. And and what happens is, and especially, and I think it's even more difficult and challenging for parents because, you know, if you, if your neighbor came over to you and the young person and they say, hey, will you take a look at this? We'll coach them. And because it's okay for them to kind of wander in that not knowing and that unknowing. But when it's our own kids, 
we want them to have it and we want it to be perfect. And, you know, because it's, you know, our, I think our in homeschooling, our biggest fear as parents is it's on us. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't turn out, we don't have anybody to blame. It's all on us. Like there's nowhere to look. We can't blame the school. We can't blame whatever. Right. It's kind of like it's, you know, we're the we're it. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of we feel a little more on the hook for uh, not being willing to let kids, you know, kind of kind of wander through, is this right? Is it not right? And so if you look at it more coach, like a coach is there to observe and a coach is there to actually to kind of guide and lead, but not necessarily direct. They're there to do what they're there more to see, well, what do you think about that? And how does that make you feel? And what it does is it allows you to ask questions. Um, And we talk about this too, about learning styles. And in learning styles, oftentimes with a young person, we don't always know what their learning style is, but it's as the coach, you can ask them questions. You can say, well, what does that look like to you? Or what does that sound like for you? Or how does that make you feel? Or what do you see? Uh, Or what do you hear? Or can you draw me a picture of that? All of those things. And it's, I might be asking the same question, but I just asked it six or seven different ways. And those all point to learning styles. And in the learning styles, it lets us be the coach and not the one giving the direction, you know, and, and oftentimes, and I, I know because I'm guilty of this is too, is, is myself is like, sometimes it's easier to just show them how to do it. Right. So, you know, so if you catch yourself doing that, that's okay. Cause that happens sometimes. Right. And sometimes it is easier to just show them ourselves, but this is the opportunity for us to practice as parents is that can we coach can we be a coach for them? Can we let them discover on their own? And that discovery is huge because when they're discovering, that's creating knowledge as opposed to just learning, kind of like learning is like they're kind of remembering something, but we actually want them to discover things that goes implies to knowledge. But that sometimes can take a little longer. And for us as parents, yep, we're going to have to be patient. So <laughs> that's one of the things that happens. But yeah, but that's it. And, you know, think of, I think probably the easy way, like the quick, easy answer to that question is how do you be a coach? Think of it if it weren't, wasn't your child. Like if it was the neighbor's kid or somebody down the street, how would you be with them? And you'd have a much more, um, oh, let's see, your leash would be a lot longer, right? As to let them kind of like wander out there and see what's happening. So it might be a good way to kind of check in and kind of self-evaluate yourself and how you are with that. So when you talk about the student being the teacher, do you go all the way back to like elementary school with that? Are you thinking like all the way through? Yeah, absolutely. And so what happens is, you know, because and I get asked this question a lot. So, you know, so what do you do for the little guys? Like, how do you get them to be the teacher? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because my daughter, she's 16 now. She always, you know, now when I tell the story, she's like, Dad, don't tell that story. You know, so I hear that a lot from her. But um, but, you know, when she was I don't know, she was five or six years old, kindergarten, first grade. And um, we brought her home after grade two. So we told her, you know, she, we actually told her, we said, OK, when you learn how to read, you can be homeschooled. Right. So we said, we'll let the teachers do that in school. Right. Um, man. And she was that second grade. She's like, I can do it. I can. So she was home. And that was that. Right. But uh, but she used to love to play school. And so what she would do is she would be like, okay, we're going to play school now. So she'd get me and mom and grandma and grandpa and her brother, whoever would play school with her. And she would line us all up and she'd give out the papers. And you could tell it's like she's modeling what she was seeing in her own classroom. And I decided, because she'd always give me the math papers. I was the math guy. So I came up with this idea. Like I just started doing things wrong. I kept getting the answers wrong. And she would get so frustrated. And she'd be like, dad, 
you're good at math. How did that? I go, I don't know, honey. I don't know. What, what did I do wrong? And so I would purposely get things wrong so that she could start to tell me what was wrong with the paper and let her do that. So that was like one way to get young people, you know, kind of engaged in it. It's like, you know, just let's give them back something and let them like correct us and let them see what it is. And what that also does is it's okay to make mistakes because then she'd always be like, okay, daddy, it's okay. Like you got that one wrong. I'm going to help you. But I think the other thing too, for young people, when they're first seeing, how to do this, sit down with them and say, okay, well, I was going to grade your work, but I think I want you to help me, show me, and let me show you what I'm going to do and have them grade it with you and go through it together uh, because everything you're doing is modeling. And so we want to model what that looks like. So for young people when they're first getting started, absolutely have them, you know, if they're not reading yet, that's okay. Take the things that they're doing and show them what to look for and how you would grade it. And then even make a mistake here and there and say, oh, I don't think I did that right. What what should I have done differently? And then they're going to tell you because they're interested, they're engaged, especially because it's their work and they want it to be right. So, so those are some things to do with little guys too. So do you think there's like a certain curriculum that works with this model and this mindset shift or could you do it with any resource and any curriculum? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, so, you know, one of the things that, um, so looking from a math curriculum, mm -hmm. right? One of the things you would need and in the homeschool world, you know, we're good. Uh, here's what's funny about the homeschool world. Like, you know, some of my, some of my buddies are my competitors, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, so there's like some of the other math guys out there and we, you know, we're, we're kind of aligned on this. Like we, you know, we want to present the solutions and the, and the solution manual. So what you're looking for in the curriculum is, do you have something where things are spelled out step by step? So you can see, you know, how things are done in math is, do you have a full solution manual? So you can see everything worked out step by step. Mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes you'll see um, a lot. And I've seen this too in um, uh, like uh, Memorial Press is a great, uh, great company. When you go back and look and see how they, you know, not only they script things as well. So things are scripted and how you're doing the lessons. And so having young people so they can see, well, how is this being presented? So they can see the script and read the script. They can look at the rubric. So if you have anything where it's kind of walking through how something's to be assessed and that kind of thing, I think those are great things. But looking for curriculum that, you know, you as the as the person who would be grading it, you know, what are you looking for? You're looking for something that's complete. And then, okay, great. Then take what's complete and start working with young people on how do they go through and how do they use something like that as a manual to take you through step by step. So that's what I'm always looking for in curriculum is does it have that full, here's how to do things. Awesome. So when I was reading your book in chapter six, you talked about the three secrets of test taking. I'm not going to ask you for those secrets because we want people to go read the book, but it made me think. Test yeah. taking is a hot button issue in homeschool world, right? Should it is. the kids be taking tests? Should they not? What's your opinion on that? Is there a grade where it's important? Like, you know, may, your courses are mainly high school um, courses, but like, right. what do you think? Is that important to be helping our kids learn to take tests? Well, here, here's here's what I here's what I'm gonna I'm gonna say about that. First of all, I love tests. Okay, so I think tests are great, but here's the thing that I would say about tests is that. When you take the idea of a test, we're going to be tested our entire lives. And it doesn't matter if you're taking a standardized test, if you're in a relationship. Guess what? Young people test their parents all the time and parents test their young people all the time just in a conversation. And, uh, you know, I'll kind of hint at one of the one of the secrets. Right. Because 
what we focus on with students, and we've seen this over and over and over again, because what happens when you do a math word problem? We always tell students to do what? And we tell them in, in any test, really, it says what? Read everything first. We actually train students, don't do that. Why? Because that's not going to help you solve the problem. There is something that's going to help you solve the problem, and it's actually knowing what the question is. And so for me, when we're practicing test taking, we're literally practicing listening. What are you listening for? Well, we're listening for what's the question being asked of me so I can go back into the problem and find the information so I can answer the question. And when you're taking a test, that's your job. Answer the question. So that's really what we're doing with the test prep. And if kids are going to head to college, and I know um, this is a funny thing, right? You see some of the colleges now are going test optional. Uh, This is my opinion. So I'm not going to say for sure that I know this is what's going on, but Um, I have it from a couple of people I've asked the question and they've confirmed my suspicion, right, that a lot of the colleges that are saying they're test optional because they're working on their own test and they're going to go away from some of those SAT or ACT tests, but they're going to give them something down the road. So they might be test optional now. They're going to see something down the road as it comes. Or for some of those institutions that are moving towards more of that portfolio base, that's great because we're covering that as well, presenting yourself. But for me, I think test taking, uh, you know, if you're going to get a driver's license, there's a test to take. You know, it's um, I mean, just think about all the different things. Oftentimes people go into uh, employment situations and they're being tested. They give, they're given some kind of a placement test to, to see what is best suited for them in that in there. So I think the more we can give ourselves the opportunity to practice test taking, the better. And for me, yeah, great. It's great if you do well on a test. But the other thing we're finding and this is kind of a new thing out there. We're actually working on another another book, and it's a book on executive functioning skills. And it's some of the things that we're finding that test prep does, and not necessarily that whether how you do on the test, but the preparation of taking a test and practicing test taking. It's building executive functioning skills, and it's working on things like goal setting and time management. It's working on Believe it or not, it works on what we call impulse control. And that's one of the executive functioning skills that we're always working on because what do we do is that the impulse control is like, how do we, how do we not blurt out the answer? Like, because if we're practicing test prep and test taking skills, we have to stop, we have to evaluate, we have to do the thinking and we have to come up and problem solve. And so we're finding more and more that test prep is kind of dealing with and, and addressing and supporting young people in those executive functioning skills as well. So. Yeah, I could go on about that, but I I just think I think the whole point to it is um, it really helps young people communicate because they're listening for the question. And when they know what the question is, they can interact with that. Um, And how many times you've, you know, you've answered something, you're like, oh, I don't know if that's what it was asking. (laughs) We hear people say that all the time, even in a conversation. I didn't know that's what you meant. Right. But what if they did know what you meant, what you mean? It'll make a difference. Mm -hmm. So tell us about Mr. D Math and what makes it stand out from other high school, homeschool math programs. What do you have over there? Well, first of all, we're just super cool, right? What can I say, right? So there's so there's that. Um, so we we um, I think that there's a couple of ways that we do things that's a, that are a little bit different. Um, one is, I, you know, I've always looked at math as a language based uh, kind of a curriculum, right? A, a concept of a course, because one thing that we've done is we've written it into the language of young people, so that when they are seeing a definition, it's in words that they know. <laughs> if you ever think back when you were, you know, you're in school and you read a math definition, and now you got to go look up all the words in the definition because you don't know what that means, right? Mm-hmm. So we've written it in a way where it's in a language that they can understand. Um, and kids tell us all the time, like, oh my gosh, I finally get it. 
and parents say it too. It's like, I watched the video. I finally get it. So that's, that's one thing that we've done is we've got it in their language so that we can communicate in a way that makes a difference for them. The other thing we've done is it's all, it's all online. Uh, and we have courses set up that work for students and families. So it's, you can do a course. It's a self-paced course and do it at your own schedule, what works for you. But we also offer live classes for students that they can come once a week and work with one of our teachers, um, in the math program. So they can do that. Something that we do that I think is a little bit different. And obviously all the things in, in the book teach is all about that. We're having kids check their own work. We want them presenting their work. We actually want them presenting work back to moms and, you know, taking their time to do that and share with them what they're learning about. But the other thing we do is we open up three days a week that we have kids come in for what we call help sessions. So they can come online and they can ask questions and they can email us anytime as well. So they get a lot of support from us. Um, but really, I think the biggest thing is like, we just got it in a way that, communicates to young people in their language in a language that they understand so i think this was the biggest biggest things and it's all it's all online which is great because then you can do it from the car you can do it from when you're traveling you just need your just need a device where you can get online and there's your course i noticed you had act and sat uh prep too which that's that's great because i think that's something that you don't find everywhere Right. Yeah. And we do. So what we do is we we plan out six weeks before any of the SAT or ACT dates. And we do we call it a boot camp. <laughs> and the reason why my brother was uh, was in the service and and, you know, and I always said to him, I said, man, why do they send you guys to boot camp? And he said, he goes, you know, they're trying to wear us down because they want us to see things the way they see it. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. So we call those uh, our test prep boot camps. Because we literally are getting back into what? Into those secrets of test, test taking. And it takes us a few weeks to kind of undo what they've been taught to do for so long. And once we can undo that and have them start looking for what are you being asked to do? It, it's net, we, we rare, really rarely find that kids are struggling with the math. What we find they're struggling with is they don't understand the question. And so that's what we're working with them on is the test taking skills. And then we focus on if you're doing the ACT, we look at questions that you practice questions from the ACT, SAT, same idea. We do practice questions from the SAT. Yeah, it's been great. Our kids do that. They they love the course. They They enjoy it. I love that. So as we wrap up, what kind of final encouragement can you give the homeschool moms out there who are like, yes, I want this independent, self-directed learner. I want my kid to be that you know, encourage the mom who who loves the idea, but feels a little intimidated about getting there. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Baby yeah. steps, just baby steps. It's oak, just one step at a time. Uh, it turns out, I promise it really does. And just think, you know, we're creating, and if you think about this, we're creating lifelong learners. So why not uh, take a little bit of time and let them kind of move through the process? You're not, it may not happen overnight and that's okay. So uh, just baby steps along the way, give them a little bit and then, and then see what else they can take and just, uh, you know, keep, keep feeding it, keep feeding it to them. <laughs> awesome. So where can people find you online and also tell us about your podcast? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So people can find us online, mrdmath.com, M-R-D-M-A-T-H.com. Um, we have a podcast called A Plus Parents. So we're going to rebroadcast this podcast on our podcast as well. And that's aplusparents.com. All our social media, you can find everything through our website, through mrdmath.com. Uh, you can get to our curriculum catalog. We have courses beyond math. So we have things like American Sign Language. We just launched super cool new uh, 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 digital music production class. So I found a guy that he's just just he's he's in the business and he wanted to make a course and so so we're always bringing new courses online we've got some uh english uh, language arts classes as well and so we have more things coming so yeah so check us out mrdmath.com 
Awesome. Thanks for joining us today and giving us this awesome insight. I appreciate it. And it was so good to meet you. You as well, Abby. Thanks for having me. I hope you were inspired and encouraged by this awesome conversation with Dennis. Be sure to head on over to the show notes to get links to everything he's doing. You can find the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 232. Don't forget to check out our sponsor at the Homeschool Style Company and get a really cute t-shirt for your homeschool adventures. You can find them using my link at 41more.com forward slash style. We'll be back next week with another actionable episode. Thanks for joining us today. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling.